0: Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show buying about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. March the 31st is Trans Day of Visibility. So today on Accent of Women, we're going to hand over to Sally Goldner and her show Out of the Pan. On Sunday the 31st of March, Out of the Pan held a special Trans Voices of Colour, and that's what we bring you today
1: today is an out of the pan super special we've cooked up lots Um, it's the broadcast from trans day visibility march 31st 2019 3cr proudly broadcasts from the lands of the original inhabitants and we pay respects to elders past present and emerging we also acknowledge the intersection of our rainbow communities and our original inhabitants which can include sister girls and brother boys and acknowledge their unique contributions to diversity on and around all the lands. And of course, welcome to listeners of all genders, including, but not limited, to ladies and gentlemen. If you want to get in touch with anything about the show, um, you can email outofthepan855 at gmail.com, SMS at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line and um, get in touch with me, um, not so much via a post, but via the Out of the Pan page or my personal page on Facebook. And you can SMS six one four five six seven five one two one five. 751 215. Well, a fantastic panel on Trans Day of Visibility, yours truly co-moderated with the one and only Um, Mama Alto, whose initials MA stand for Magnificent and Awesome. Mama Alto, for those who aren't aware, is a jazz singer, cabaret artiste, gender transcendent diva and community activist. And it was a thrill for her to be um, co-moderate the special panel on Trans Day Visibility and do really most of it, as um, I'm not a person of colour. Jack Pallett is an 18-year-old half-Indian actor. He was the first of the three panellists. He has been in plays such as Gonzo Blemish and Here. Jack is currently studying VCAL at the Hester Hornbrook Academy. Ameo Leotu Lu is a public speaker, performer, advocate and community worker who has worked in education, the arts, employment, health and community services. She is a proud Samoan Fafaini, trans woman of colour who infuses her proud identity in public speaking and performance works. Her talks focus around intersectionality, identity, Pacific culture, self expression and gender. Her photography has been displayed locally and internationally and, is, and she has been featured at the United Nations in New York, as well as in the acclaimed Forbes magazine. She's a lover of the arts, people, and Italian food. There's diversity for you. And Jinghua Quan is a Shanghainese pot writer. ...poet and provocateur living in the Kulin Nations. They co-founded People of Colour Performance Night Pock the Mic from 2010 to 12, ...and with Darcy T. Gunk co-founded Myriad Collective... ...a group of trans and gender diverse artists and organisers... ...creating performance and exhibition opportunities since 2015... Formerly head of news at Sixth Tone an English language media outlet covering China, Xinghua has also written for The Guardian, Overland and Asian Australian arts and culture magazine Peril. So they were the three panellists, uh, Mama Alto doing most of the facilitating. We pick up um, just into the panel discussion where the question was pretty much asked a sort of open question, what are the ups and downs of being a trans or queer person of colour? And we lead in to the answers there.
2: Queer culture that straddles lesbian and transmasculine spaces I suppose I think that sometimes like global conversations about trans rights that are often kind of come from a western perspective a lot of culturally specific and historically specific stuff can get lost in that so for me as a writer and reporter and as a a person of colour of Chinese descent, like resisting, resisting that flattening of trans experience and gender diverse experience, and particularly like a lot of our cultures that do have particular understandings of gender that might be different from the contemporary Western conception of gender you know, making space for that complexity is really important to me as well.
3: And that's a great quote to take us to the quarter mark of the the event and the broadcast. Resist the flattening of trans identities when it comes to cultural context for trans people of colour so that you can see the full spectrum of the rainbow or so that you can see everything in three dimensions instead of two.
1: We'll have a quick breather on our fabulous Trans Day Visibility panel and um, resume it in a short while. You're here at Here's and maybe hopefully soon on 3CR.
3: I'm your host, uh, Mama Alto. Joining me is out-of-the-pan host, Sally Goldner.
1: I forgot to mention, the usual ways of getting in touch with the show still apply today, so... Um, if you're listening somehow, but he, here or beyond, you can still communicate up to me silently. Although you were on aeroplane, man. that's not going to work either," um, said the techno idiot. Um, out of the pan, eight five five at Gmail six one four five six seven five one two one five. Tweet at Sal Gold, uh, Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. And at three CR, or look for the Facebook post. But even if it's on podcast, um, we'll take questions at any time afterwards. Let's get back to it. I feel like I've always something I've always wanted to be—a wrestling announcer. Round two. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Wrestling is a great um, analogy for what we have to do with our identities as Mm. queer and trans people of color. Um, That's what we'd we'd love to talk about next. With being trans, gender diverse, non-binary people of color and indeed queer people of color more broadly, um, there are multiple layers of identity. Uh, And I'd like now if each of our panelists could talk to the difficulties that come with those intersecting layers of identity the ways in which you might be doubly marginalised, the ways in which it is difficult to operate as a person of colour in queer spaces, the ways in which it's difficult to exist as a trans person in spaces that are dominated by people of colour's traditional values or colonial values that might erase or cause problems with who you are. Does anyone have anything they'd like to talk to on that?
4: Yes, but it's not really about the bad things. So, I'm pretty uh, racially ambiguous, right? So, I always got asked what I am all through primary school and most of high school. So, when I realized I was trans, it was kind of like easy, like people questioning about me about things that they really shouldn't be or don't really matter that much. It's kind of something I've always been used to. Racial ambiguity is a pretty good warm up for being trans.
5: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what recommend? I think that's such an insightful thing to say and it's something, once I heard you articulating it out loud it's something that I relate to a lot because being mixed race and being a person of colour you grow up already used to sometimes being cast on the outside being asked inappropriate questions about who you are and growing up into your own queerness and your own transness is a similar experience
4: I even got told, no, you can only be one (laughs) So I used to ask my Were they talking
3: race or gender?
4: Like, racially, you, can, you can't be Indian and white. You can only be one or the other. So I used to ask my mum a lot, what am I? She told me I was olive. So I went around telling people I was an olive.
3: <laughs> and then you helped them stir their martinis. <laughs> I, um, I always like to go with the beautiful allegory. You can add milk, but it's always tea, right? <laughs> and so it comes in every colour, doesn't it? Amao, um, can you speak a bit to multiple intersecting identities from your context as a proud Samoan person where conceptions of gender are different from popular Western ideas about gender?
5: Yeah, if I take a look at my own uh, fafafine identity from my own culture, from Sa- the Samoan culture, uh, we're quite warmly embraced. So it actually gives me leverage here in a culture... It still f- is finding its way of trying to get its head around uh, gender, gender non-conforming, even the trans label. I think for me, bringing that i cultural identity of being fine, it actually gives me peace of mind that I come from a strong culture that even just to have a thing, um, that term of coming out. When I explained coming out, I didn't really have a coming out because it's a Western concept. So... The way I explain to people when they ask me what you're coming out was, I always say, well, I came out of my mum's stomach. That was my coming out. Um, but being warmly embraced by a culture that just has better things to do than be concerned about what you like to wear or the way you like to dress is such a healthy thing mental-wise because, you know, here for me, my my personal struggles have been here in in Australia, in a Western, in a Western um, construct, Whereas when I went was able to go back to Samoa two years ago, and I hadn't been in something like 35 years, and it was during the marriage equality. It was just nice to go to a place where. You can, you can be transgender, you can be gender non-conforming and you can be whatever you want to be and you can hold down positions such as teaching positions, positions that if a trans person was outed here, you know, you'll hear the, you know, people would have a field day. So for me to be able to be immersed and be able to embrace my fafafine identity gives me peace of mind. I take it with such humility that I'm given that privilege to be able to be accepted within my own culture and that I'm able to grow and that I'm able to just evolve as a Mao without any restrictions from anybody else. But it's being here in a Western concept that I've had a lot more of my challenges because people are still trying to grasp the concept of gender and gender diverse and non-conforming, but um, I take it with a grain of salt. I use it to to my advantage of where you know I can bring up my own fafafine community in a culture that's still is somehow baffled to like think how is it that fafafine can just walk down the road and be ourselves. I said it's a thing of in Pacific Island culture. We see family as everything. I think in trans being here, we tend to build our families within our group of friends or our allies. So we take that concept and I take that personal concept of having really good friends Uh, really close family and just using that to help me get through the day-to-day challenges that I face as a trans person here in Wisdom Concept.
3: And for anyone listening to the recording of the podcast or anyone here today who's from Pacific Islander Identities and Amal has just touched on the concept of building families and communities, uh, Mao is one of the members of a fabulous group called Vika Inc. Uh, V-I-K-A Inc. You can find them on Facebook. And that's a group for people from the Pacific Islands and wider Pacifica culture who identify with a, within an LGBTIQA plus umbrella. I'm going to throw to Jinghua uh, to hear a little bit about your identity, the intersecting of a non-binary, non-conforming, gender-fluid identity uh, across cultures as a queer person of color
2: yeah I think I mean even though I've been out whatever um (laughs) even though I've been in particular like involved in sort of trans circles initially as a cis person and then as a gender fluid person for quite a while now I feel like I'm still constantly misgendered by other trans people like I don't know all the time I think in terms of the intersections, yeah, there are really particular ways in which I think queer and trans spaces can be racist, both in terms of like culturally centering Western ideas about gender, about family, about um, what a good life is, what we want, where we're trying to get to, um, to really practical things like... I think now there is a lot more information, but say, you know, when I was first reading, researching information about medical transition, you know, like the expectation, uh, the, the information you find on what you can expect is really centered on like white bodies um, and how a white body uh, responds to, to hormones, for example. So, you know, myriad ways um, from really tangible physical things to these sort of broader cultural questions, um, that's still something we're contending with.
3: And we're at the halfway mark now of our live event and broadcast turned podcast here at Hairs and Hyenas with 3CR, Transgender Victoria, City of Yarra and Hairs and Hyenas. I'm your facilitator, Mama Alto, joined by our host from Out of the Pan on 3CR, Sally Goldner. We've got our panellists, Amal, Jack and Jinghua here. And we're up to question three here in this very in-depth, very involved conversation. If anything uh, discussed today, for those of you listening to the podcast or those of you here live at Hares and Hyenas, raises any distress issues or concerns, you can contact switchboard
1: 1800 184 527 around the country. And of course, a switchboard part of QLife around the country and switchboard here in Victoria
3: available as telephone counselling and web chat services. So we're going to dive into question three. um, Something that's often asked on days of awareness, such as today's Trans Day of Visibility and November's Trans Day of Remembrance, is what changes would we like to see in the world? What positive impact, tangible changes, everyday actions or broader actions can uh, we ourselves, but also our allies, Uh, take to improve the world and make changes for queer and trans people of colour. First, I just want to acknowledge one of our audience members who I spotted earlier, um, Archie, I can see, has recently helped author an amazing document of guidelines for cultural competency for galleries and visual arts spaces in dealing with and making accessible those spaces to trans and gender diverse people. And I think that's a great example Of ways in which people and our allies can make positive change is by actually inviting us in to help make the changes and putting us in positions of power. That's an example of a large structural change. Uh, From our panelists point of view, what are some changes you'd like to see either in people's everyday interactions or large structural changes like that one?
5: I think that our cultural differences are not discounted, that we firmly encourage the discussions with uh, our people of colour communities because I feel personally that he needs to happen quite a lot in terms of a lot of the, the discussions that are centred around what affects us as trans and gender diverse communities uh, especially around housing especially around employment, especially around health so just to be included in the discussions um as I said before, not to be tokenistic or have us as the add-ons or the afterthought discussion, such as was seen in the marriage equality, but to actually really include us in those discussions and not make the assumption that we will come to you. Um, we have our own cultural barriers that, that keep some of our own people of colour from coming to those. And so to even have stuff... Even translating material in different languages for GRBTI communities from people of colour communities. Just so that they feel included, that they go, oh, someone's actually taking a notice of us and wants to include us in those discussions. And I think that's that's something that needs to be continuous because personally I still see that we're failing there. As I said earlier on, we must not leave anybody behind in terms of going forward. So continuing and being able to have discussions with people of color and including us in the discussions.
3: That's such a great answer. And I also think um, great examples of that happening recently, because as you've mentioned, visibility and representation can be a double-edged sword where even if you were visible in the branding and marketing of an organization, does that actually mean that your best interests are being represented in an active, everyday, uh, organisational way uh, that changes are being made, that you're being made to feel welcome. And I like to look at the recent examples of Switchboard, who we've mentioned several times today, recently started their QTPOC program, specifically to reach out to our communities, QTPOC standing for Queer and Trans People of Colour, and one of their first actions was to appoint a um, queer, trans, non-conforming person as the head of that project, rather than putting somebody uh, from outside of our cultures in charge of the way in which we're spoken about and represented. I also, also love the example of so many organizations adding brown and black stripes to the queer rainbow flag because after so long feeling excluded from many queer communities, whether that's from clubs and party spaces, whether that's from online social spaces and dating apps, whether that's uh, blatant unchecked racism or discrimination in our queer spaces, something visible, like having those colours added to the flags says, says to us, no, you are welcome, it validates our presence and makes us feel like we have a right to be there after so many times that feels like it has been taken away. Um, Jack do you have any examples of things you might, I know from your, from your career being cast uh, as characters who are trans and gender diverse, which reverses a decades long trend of having um, actors who are not trans uh, kind of do a version of trans blackface by performing across identity. Um, can you speak about some of the changes you'd like to see or that you have seen in, in the creative industries particularly?
4: No, uh, one thing that I really love what they did with here is, and I hate that it has to be done, but they basically said, you can't use this script unless you cast a trans man as the trans guy in the play. So I'd like to see more than that. Embedded
3: in contracts. Mm. That's a great thing. Yeah. Um, and it might sound quite draconian to use such a, such a legal framework to enforce things, but uh, for people who are not from a theatre or performing arts perspective, Things such as how long you can take a tea break for are in- often mm. included in rules, laws and contracts surrounding our work in the theatre. So being able to embed things that have such huge great social implications in the contract makes a lot of sense in that environment.
4: And uh, on other things I'd like to see change, Just people making less assumptions.
3: Because it makes an ass out of you and me. <laughs>
4: yeah, no, there's no person of colour look, there's no trans look, there's no autistic look.
3: In that way, visibility, Mm -hmm. as we said with Amau, is a double-edged sword Mm. because visibility needs to be on our own terms. We should be um, able to just be visible as ourselves, not visible to fit into a stereotype or a benchmark of Mm. what people see that our identities should look like. It's an important point on Trans Day of Visibility, especially Mm. for anyone listening to the podcast or here today who feels as if they are not trans enough, (laughs) uh, which is something told to many people Mm. who either... Uh, ...conform too well to a binary expectation or don't at all. Um, could we hear some thoughts on that from, from you, Jinghua?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think I have really mixed feelings about visibility... ...because I think, you know, some of us are hyper-visible... ...some of us are not visible enough... ...and then visibility doesn't necessarily, you know... ...come with rights or understanding or, or justice safety. or liberation or safety. Yeah, and some, in some situations, like for a lot of trans people... ...being more visible means being less safe... So I think, yeah, we, I mean, we need to know exactly what we are trying to achieve by visibility, but also, this is a bit of a segue, but following on from what um, you were talking about, about not being add-ons, I think that's also really important to me thinking about, yeah, thinking about these things in an intersectional way and not in an additive way, because I think that you know, simply adding, say, race and trans together doesn't get the whole picture I think when it comes to, I think one one realm uh, that I think this is really relevant is discrimination, thinking about discrimination, particularly like legal responses to discrimination. And, you know, I think in Kimberly Crenshaw's original writing about intersectionality, she talks about how a lot of the oppression that black women experience is not, visible in adding together understandings of racism and sexism or um but i think particularly like the way that discrimination law works in most countries is really about like almost proving that you have had this experience compared to someone who is exactly like you except for this one thing you know it's not it's really not usable for most of us because that's not the way that we actually experience it. So that's something that's really important to me, thinking about um, how we can challenge these things in a way, I guess, that is actually accessible to trans people of color, because also like, you know, if the only way to challenge something is with a lawsuit um, or through institutions that we might not trust um, or might not want to engage with at all, um, or that might have a very narrow um, conception of oppression, that's not really helpful. So I don't have, like, a direction, but... um, But from both what
3: Jinghua and Jack were saying, I think a large key to it is whenever anybody, trans or not, POC or not, trans and POC or not, wants to make that change, it's about finding sites of power, whether that's your power or someone else's, and making sure that that power is leveraged to create change in a a way that can last, endure and be powerful, uh, rather than just... Uh, tokenistic way as Amal was talking about tokenistic representation that doesn't affect lasting change. These are big weighty issues that we're dealing with today here on Trans Day of Visibility live at Hairs and Hyenas podcast through 3CR presented by Transgender Victoria and City of
1: Yarra. I do have to wrap it up because we're moving to the end. People will be listening again on podcast on 3cr.org.au Again, thanks so much to everyone involved, all at Transgender Victoria, um, who helped put us together. The one, the only, I'm going to embarrass him by mentioning the fantastic events organiser, Teddy, who just leaves me in awe. My My idea of events organising is um, taking a list of pizzas for a phone order. Teddy can juggle balls left, right and centre and make it look easy. Margot, who does social media and photography, who's here <laughs> and does so much awesome work. <laughs> thanks, of course, to everyone at 3CR. I'm Juliet, who wrote the grant, which is always um, a, um, a ch- um, an interesting work to do, to all the team who have put, helped put it all together on that side and, we, as I meant, will be recorded. Also, thanks to the... Let's give it up for the amazing panel and facilitation.
3: <laughs> Thank you. And so just to remind you all here today and our podcast listeners, I've been your facilitator Mama Alto and our amazing panel, Xinghua Chan, Jack Pallet and Amalio Tolu. You can hear more about and support voices of colour, queer people of colour and trans people of colour here at Hairs and Hyenas at the end of July um, with the inaugural iridescent Queer People of Colour Cultural Festival, uh, we, which we all look forward to and hope to see you at. Thank you so much for joining us for this special presentation.
1: And if at any time you need um, support, of course, the fabulous Q-Life, including Switchboard in Victoria and Tasmania, 1800 527 but I know for me, I've been uplifted, and as I always would say, thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan, I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week.
0: A big thank you to Sally Goldner and Out of the Pan for the use of that audio. Look up 3CR Out of the Pan on Facebook. Like it and access all of those podcasts through that Facebook page. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.